Today's message is about the place of the whole church in ministry and mission. Uh, It's nine months now that we've been studying this amazing letter that the Apostle Paul wrote, and he wrote it a couple of thousand years ago to the church in Rome. To me, it's just incredible how relevant it still is for us today, that there's nothing at all dated about the Bible. The same amazing insight that captured people's attention there in Rome all those years ago can still capture our attention today when we want the Lord to, to speak to us through his word. But now we're coming towards the end of this letter to Romans, to the Romans, and Paul's beginning to wrap it up. And today he shares something about himself. He doesn't very often share much about himself, but that's what he does today. And we learn about his calling. If we were to differentiate between a pastor and a missionary, I'd probably do it something like this. A pastor is someone who's based at a local church and cares for that church and preaches and teaches and builds that church up to be the people of God that the Lord is calling them to be. A missionary, however, is someone who is sent out into the world, somebody who goes out as an evangelist to preach the gospel. And they often get sent to places where the gospel has never, ever been heard ever before. And when people respond to the good news of Jesus Christ, They then set up a little church of believers, they appoint a pastor, and then they move on to do the same thing all over again, going to another location, preaching the good news of Jesus again, and starting off another little church. And the Apostle Paul was called to be a missionary. In verse 20, he said, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on somebody else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never heard, sorry, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. Now, let me assure you, there is nothing at all wrong with building on somebody else's foundation. There is nothing at all wrong with being the pastor of a church and working with people who are already Christians. That's just not what Paul was called to do. Some are called to be pastors. Some are called to be missionaries. We, we don't seem to get too many missionaries visiting us here at Bush Disciples. Um, I suspect it's because we're a new church. We're a pretty new church plant. We're a long way from the city, so people don't really want to come all this way out. Uh, We're a very small church and nobody knows about us. But sometimes missionaries on furlough will visit existing churches to talk about the mission work that they've been involved in in far-off lands. And most of us love to hear their stories. I know I do. I I just love to hear the stories that missionaries can tell about the way that God has been at work in the places where they've gone. They've gone to obscure lands where they've had to learn a whole new language and then they can tell a story of how the gospel is preached to a people who have never heard it before and some repent and believe and they shift from this spiritual darkness that they've been caught up in and they begin to believe in Jesus. I just love those stories. Does anybody else like hearing them? I've got a few nods of the head. Good. Uh, when I was growing up, uh, I grew up in Gundawindi, and in our church there, we had a lady by the name of Jean Sizer. Does anyone know Jean Sizer? Oh, wow, a lot of you do. Okay, well, Jean Sizer used to be a missionary 
in Papua New Guinea. And she used to tell us these most amazing stories um, about transformations that she had witnessed. You know, I think she'd done a work a fair bit up in the highlands and stuff, but transformations of people who were once, you know, villages of cannibals and, and now they've become Christians. And, and she was a nurse and she had some very um, ew stories as well. And sometimes when a church hears the stories of a missionary, somebody in that congregation may be moved by the Holy Spirit to also dedicate their lives to becoming a missionary for Jesus Christ. And they commit their lives to serving him in other lands, taking the gospel to people who have never heard it ever before. It's a calling of God. And maybe, maybe somebody here may be getting called by God to go and be a missionary. But you know, sometimes we hear the stories of these missionaries and there can be such great stories about what God's been doing and you hear of the sacrifices that they're making and sometimes it seems that no other ministry will quite live up to it. Um, and we might find ourselves beginning to feel that, eh, Maybe my gifts and, and my calling is inadequate. And we hear the wonderful things that missionaries do in the name of Jesus and we might find ourselves feeling, oh, imagine what our church could be like if that missionary was our pastor. Or the pastor of the church might begin feeling that eh, maybe he'd be better off if he quit being a pastor of a church and headed off to be a missionary instead. Now, how do you think that would all work out? I reckon it'd probably work out pretty disastrously. You see, some people are designed and built by God to be missionaries. That's the way that God has made them, and that's the way his Holy Spirit equips them. And you pull them out of that role and ask them to be a pastor of a church, and all of a sudden you've taken a square peg and put it into a round hole. And they may make a terrible pastor, and vice versa. A very good pastor may make a terrible missionary. And maybe at this point, some of you might be thinking, well, make, Michael, maybe you'd better give being a missionary a bit of a go because you make a terrible job of this being a pastor business. But this is why Paul never made it to Rome. He was called to be a missionary. And he was too busy being a missionary to go off visiting this other church. But now something's changed. No, Paul hasn't lost his calling to be a missionary. But now all of a sudden he's really keen to visit Rome and he's going to try and do it. Why? The reason is because he wants to enlist that whole Roman church to be involved in his missionary work. And I think that's going to be the message for us today. How we as a whole church can be involved in missionary work. So how can an established church in one location be involved in the work of a missionary in a land far, far away? Well, I'm going to share with you three ways. Personal involvement, financial support, and prayer. Not many are called to be missionaries to foreign lands, but some are called. And sometimes people just need to be encouraged in their calling. 
And as Paul went from place to place, he would sometimes recognise in somebody a gift and a calling to be a missionary. And names come to mind like Timothy, Barnabas, Silas, Aquila, Priscilla. These are all Christians who he'd met up with in various churches that he'd visited and he'd then taken them along with him as missionaries. All right, so he was on his way to take the gospel to a new region. He would call in on a church on the way and he would see people there who were gifted and called to be missionaries and he'd invite them to join with him. And I believe I need to say that if you are somebody who feels that they may be called to being a missionary, please do not leave it until you think you've reached an appropriate stage of life. It's the same with any calling that God is putting on you. You know, sometimes God may pull at our heartstrings and and give us a a feeling, I think God's calling me to be involved in such and such a ministry. Oh, but it's not a good time now. I'll, I'll just leave it a little bit longer. Do you know that God usually calls you when he wants you? So don't, don't just ignore it. Look into it now. Get in touch with some missionary organisations and begin building relationships to, to discern whether this really is a calling that God is putting on your life and act on it. Because if you don't act on it, you possibly never will. Right? So some people are called out of a local church to become a missionary in another land. I'm going to be a little bit bold to ask, does anybody here feel that they've ever had that calling or that God is calling them now to become a missionary to a foreign land? Anybody? I love the way just a couple of wives just looked at their husbands just to check that they hadn't felt that call. (laughs) That was very interesting. Well, maybe there's another way that more of us can become involved with missionaries and in their work. The second way that we can support the work of missionaries, and it's a very practical way, is financially. Uh, We can support them in their missionary work. Now, I'm going to ask a rhetorical question. Now, for those who don't know what that means, that means I'm not expecting you to answer me, but I want you to formulate that answer in your mind, okay? When it comes to giving, that is giving financially, how do you decide how to cut up the pie? Do you know what I mean by that? If you think of all of the financial resources that you have, whether it be wages or salary that you earn or the money that your business makes or the return that you get on your investments or inheritances that come in or your pension or what about your assets themselves, your house, your land, your cattle, cars, machinery, shares, superannuation. If you think of all of these resources that we have as the pie, how do you divide it up? How do you divide up your pie? How much do you spend on daily living expenses? How much do we decide to spend on paying off our land or paying off our houses? How do we decide how much to spend on education? How, much, how do we decide how much to spend on healthcare or on holidays? How much do we budget to spend on replacing our motor car? And what about food and clothing? And then of course there's things like insurance, And how do we decide how much of our pie gets tucked away for superannuation, 
so that the pie doesn't all go away before we die. And how would we decide how much of the pie we put into more investments? And how do we decide what piece of the pie we give away? How do we decide that? My practice, and, and I've taught a few people how to prepare a cash flow budget, and what I always encourage them is in the first couple of lines of the expenses to budget to give money away. And I really encourage them to put it right at the top of the budget because I believe that giving money away is the most important expense. It is the most important investment that any of us can make. And yet so few of us budget to do it. And if we don't budget for it, we nearly always end up spending what we have on everything else that's in the budget first. I know when we've worked out our budget, soon realised we needed to put the giving away part right at the top. And that way everything else gets whittled down instead of that one. But then the question comes, if that piece of the pie is what I give away, how do I decide how to divide that piece of the pie up? How do I decide who gets what? So do I give money to support the local church? Do I give money to support a missionary overseas? Do I give money to helping the poor? There are so many really good causes out there vying for our attention and, and trying to, to get us to donate to them. Did you know that in Australia alone, there are over 50,000 registered charities in Australia alone. So how do we decide how to divide up that piece of the pie of what we're going to give away? This is a very practical decision that we all have to make. Uh, unfortunately, sometimes it just seems all too hard and, and we're not sure whether we should be giving here or whether we should be giving there and maybe our spouse might think differently to what we do and so we throw our hands up in the air and go, this is all too hard and we just don't make a decision. Now, do you know what happens when we don't make a decision? We've made a decision. We're not going to give it away at all. Today... I want to share with you just a few principles that I use to decide how much of the pie gets given away and out of that, which goes where. Um, so these are just some biblical principles that, that I use and hopefully they might be helpful for you. The first principle is the biblical principle that we give as we are able. Now, I suspect quite often we underestimate that. We, we can't all give the same amount. That makes sense, doesn't it? That some people can afford to give more than others. True? Yep. Okay. We shouldn't expect that a pensioner will be giving the same amount as what a successful businessman might be. Uh, some are only able to give a little bit. Others are able to give a lot. And we shouldn't expect that everybody's going to be give, giving either the same amount or the same percentage. Some people may only be able to give 10% of their gross income. Somebody else might be quite capable of giving 95%. The biblical principle is that we give as we are able. 
And that means that you shouldn't worry about what everybody else is doing. You need to think about how much am I able to give? All right. The second principle is that if we sow sparingly, we reap sparingly. If we sow bountifully, we reap bountifully. Now, please, I must say at this stage, don't get confused by this. If your heart is seeking after material possessions, that might move you to go, well, that means if I give money away, I'm going to get more money back. And some people teach that. Now, I don't think that's at all what the Bible is talking about here. What it's talking about is an increase in the harvest of righteousness. If we sow bountifully by being generous in our giving, there will be a bountiful harvest of righteousness. And I reckon that happens in two ways. Ministry and mission will not be starved of resources and the harvest of righteousness will be the effectiveness of that ministry because it's being properly resourced. But also, we have to be obedient to God and when we are obedient to God, we ourselves receive a harvest of righteousness. We receive a heavenly reward. Don't go looking for a reward now in this life. Don't, don't say, oh, because I gave... It's not, not like karma. It's not like I gave money away, therefore this good thing happened to me. This is a heavenly reward that we look for when we come back, when Jesus comes back. The maths isn't difficult. If in a church everybody is giving at least 10% of their gross income and if ministry staff were getting paid the equivalent average wage, that means for every 10 wage earners that a church has, they could be supporting either a full-time pastor or a full-time youth worker or a full-time missionary. So even in a little tin pot show like Bush Disciples, if we were sowing bountifully this little church could support a full-time pastor and a full-time missionary. And you know what? If we were able to take stock of what everybody is personally giving, because we don't know what everybody's personally giving, we may already be doing that. We may already be personally giving to different ministries in town and different ministries overseas and missionaries, and we may already be doing that. The principle is... When we sow bountifully, we reap bountifully. When we sow sparingly, we reap sparingly. The third principle is the Old Testament principle of the tithe. Now, the word tithe simply means a tenth, and you've probably heard people talk about the tithe. In the Old Testament, this was a religious law that everybody was bound by. They, they were supposed to do it. But we are not bound by that as a law anymore. You know, in, in my early years, when I first started working, I found myself feeling, okay, I know that I'm not bound by the tithe, but if I'm a recipient of the grace and mercy of God, and if I want to worship God and serve him and love him with all of my being, if those of old could afford to give 10% of what they grew or 10% of their livestock or 10% of what they earned, if I made that a priority, why wouldn't I be able to do it? And I found that I could. And this is a personal thing for us, and I'm not saying this to put us up there or anything. It's just so I can give you a personal example. 
And you don't have to do the same as us, but I just want to share this. Tithing is not a law, but I have always set aside 10% of our gross income. That's before tax. That's before any expenses. It's before we pay off any business assets or personal assets. And that's just the minimum that we decided to give away to local ministry and mission. Um, so the tithe, it is no longer a law. But I believe that it's a very good starting point. And I can testify to you that it is doable. So many people have said to me, oh, you don't understand. In, in, in our circumstances, we, we couldn't possibly do that. Well, when I started off as a first-year station hand, I could afford to do it. And then as I progressed, I could still continue to do it. When I was in business, I could, affo I could afford to do it. Um, when we got married and when we had kids, we could afford to do it. Why? Because we made it a priority. And that was what we believed God was calling us to do. And we were to give as we are able. And I found that we were able. The fourth principle is the necessity to support local ministry. Uh, and this is the part which I don't like preaching on. Um, if you're a regular here, you know that I hardly ever preach on giving. You, you know that, hey? I, I've racked my brain and I think this is the second time in the last three or four years. Is it windy out there? And I feel at this point... Um, I just want to remind everybody that Bush Disciples does need your support and I would ask you if you're not currently supporting the work of Dis Bush Disciples, pre please pray about it and ask the Lord if he would have you do that. Uh, and if you are already supporting the work of Bush Disciples, pray about whether you can afford to increase giving. So that's all I've got to say about that. But I also want to draw your attention to the fact that there's other local ministries here as well in this town. And, of course, school chaplaincy program comes to mind immediately. The important work that the chaplains do amongst the children in our schools. And I'd encourage you to be supporting that as well. So I believe it's very important for us to support local ministry. And for us personally, that's where we've always directed our tithe. The fifth principle is in addition to what we give to ministry... We should always be generous to the poor, particularly our Christian brothers and sisters who are persecuted or who are in poverty. And I want you to note that if you are somebody who's into, into the tithing principle, biblically, giving to the poor was always on top of the tithe. It wasn't considered as part of the tithe. The tithe was always used to support the ministry of the temple, the local ministry. Giving to the poor has always been done in addition to that. And we have plenty of opportunities to give to the poor through organisations such as Compassion, World Vision, Samaritan's Purse, Open Doors, any number of overseas or local missions to the poor. The way I look at giving to the poor is it's simply a matter of giving up some of our little treats so that we can share with those who can't afford the necessities. 
When I was growing up, I'd, uh, on my school port, I don't know where I got this sticker from, must have been somebody who visited our church, I don't know, but a sticker that I had on my school port said, live simply so all may simply live. And I still remember that slogan. I think that's a great slogan. Live simply so all may simply live. Righto. So now we come to the sixth principle, and this is where I've been coming to all along. The support of missionaries. Something I noticed in the reading today was a very different side of Paul. I don't know if you've noticed or not as we've worked our way through Romans, but Paul is usually very forthright and very blunt in what he says. He doesn't seem to care about whether he's going to upset anybody. He just lays it down the line. This is the way it is. And basically, if you disagree with it, then tough. But today, Paul seems to be very different. He's very tactful in the things that he said. And I think there's a reason for this. For many of us, the most sensitive part that we have is our hip pocket. And we don't like to be asked for money. Um, And something that I've noticed is that... um, I'm pretty sure it's something you've noticed too. There's two types of preachers in the world. There's those who are very eager and keen to ask for your money and there's those who sort of would prefer not to. Um, Now, Paul is the latter type. He will boldly ask for money when it's to share with the poor, but he very tentatively seeks financial support for himself. And I feel I can identify with that very much. I know when I, when I was writing this, I thought to myself, oh, I hope there's no new people in church today. Isn't that a terrible thing for a minister to hope? Oh, I hope there's no new people in church today. Um, but the reason for that is I didn't want them to be here in church for the very first time and for them to get to the picture, oh, So it's one of those sorts of churches, eh? It's one of those sorts of churches that's always going to be asking for our money. Um, And I decided that I was just going to have to explain. I preach my way through whole books of the Bible. And today just so happens to be the day that Paul is talking about the ministry of giving. Um, And it does. He talks about the ministry of giving to the poor. And then he goes on to very tactfully give them the heads up. Oh, by the way... I'm, I'm going to be coming through shortly on my way to Spain to being a missionary and I'm sort of, I'm sort of hoping you might be able to help me on my way. It, it's very tactful by Paul's standards. So, how you divide up your financial pie is between you and God. You don't have to explain it to me. You don't have to explain it to anybody else. You just have to work it out with God. But those are just a few biblical principles that I hope you might find will be helpful and useful for you. So, we've talked about the ways that we can support a missionary. One is to go and be a missionary. The second is to support them financially. And now, the third way that we can support the work of missionaries is prayer. Verse 30 Paul said, I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit 
to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. Now that word strive, another way of translating it could have been struggle. I want you to struggle with me. Now not everybody is called to do what missionaries do. I suspect that most of us are called to support them financially. But I do believe also that something we are all called to do is to struggle with them in our prayers. You do understand, don't you, that missionaries are involved in a very real struggle. They are involved in a spiritual battle. They are shining the light of Jesus into the dark areas of Satan's domain. They are involved in a struggle. And we can struggle with them. We can struggle with them as we pray. Now, some of you have at times have mentioned about, to us about how, in your prayers for us. And Robin and I are just so thankful for those of you, it may even be all of you, I don't know who's praying for us, but for those of you who do pray for us and pray for our family as we minister in the name of Jesus in this district. Um, we are so thankful for your prayers because this is a struggle and you are struggling with us in your prayers. But I want, you to, I want to urge you also, please don't forget about the missionaries of the world. If you don't already have a relationship with an active missionary, I would encourage you to seek them out And there's so many good missionary organisations that would be able to put you in touch with someone. The CMS, the Church Missionary Society of Australia. There's MAF, that's Mission Aviation Fellowship. Then there's organisations like Compassion and so on. Some of you may even know some local contacts. You know, there's people like young Sam Hemmings gone to be a missionary in the universities. Um, The Timmers have headed off to to South Africa to do some work there. Some of you I know are already supporting Benny and Cherie. We've got some friends and their daughter, Meredith Twiddell, is currently training to become a missionary. And she's planning on heading off to, to um, Islamic countries. So it's going to be, as a, as a young woman, it's going to be quite dangerous for her. But we need young women to go and be missionaries in Islamic countries. And so she's currently learning to speak Arabic. And so I'd encourage you to be informed about missionaries so that you can become involved with them in their work, supporting them financially, struggling with them in prayer, and maybe, maybe God might be even calling you to become a missionary yourself. I'm not just talking about a you know, a short-term mission trip, which is, just goes for a few weeks. God may be calling you to devote your life to serving him in a land where people have never heard. Questions? Yeah, Jan said her belief is that, like I said, this district itself is a mission field and we can all be missionaries too. Um, and that's true, um, I sort of, for time restraints, I wasn't able to say everything I wanted to say, but there's something important there which I'll say now. Uh, Paul was actually saying that his ambition is to preach where the name of Jesus has never been heard. 
Now, there's two things we have to realise. Yes, it is true. We all have a missionary calling that even in our own location that we speak the name of Jesus and preach the gospel and that we're evangelists. But we also have to recognise the terrible indictment on us and our society that we are a society that has heard. We have been told over and over and over again. And for that reason, I can't put us in the same category as a land that has never heard the name of Jesus spoken. Um, and I guess we have to realise that, that we are a nation that despite hearing, we have deafened our ears to the call of God. And for that reason, I don't put us in the same category as, going, as what Paul was doing, going to be a missionary in another land. But that doesn't negate the validity and, and, the, and the calling of, of people and in this nation, and even this church ourselves, going off into little towns where there are no churches and, and, um, and starting that. You could look at that as being sort of a missionary-like ministry, but we have to realise we have all had the opportunity to hear and it's only that we have, don't want to hear. Yeah. Thanks, Jim. Neil, can you be louder? Okay. The 10% of the tithe, as I said before, it, it's an, the tithe is an Old Testament principle, right? So we have to re remember that as Christians, we are not bound by Old Testament law, right? But for some people, they make the commitment, I'm going to tithe because I believe this is what God is giving. Now, the tithe means 10%, okay? Now, that, that, that's the actual meaning. That's what tithe means, is a tenth. But then, but see, the problem then comes, all right, well, is that 10% of gross or 10% of net income? Is that 10% before tax or is it 10% after tax? And that's what we, a lot of people personally struggle with here. And I guess I just wanted to, in my message, say the Old Testament principle was 10% of gross. So that's 10% of what came in went straight out. So, like, so, for instance, even when I was shooting kangaroos for a living, my principle was 10% of the money that I received, the cheque, that is exactly what went. Now that, now that I have a business as GST, it's like, okay, this is a GST, that's 10% of my gross income. Um, exactly the same amount goes in a tithe. You hear what I'm saying? So in the Old Testament, it was a 10% of the lambs that were born, 10% of the calves that were born, 10% of the crop that one grew. Um, yeah. So if you want to work to that principle, that's, that's where it actually began. But I want to be really clear... We are not bound by the tithe. I have to say this over and over and over again. We are not bound by the tithe. But I personally feel it's a good starting point. Ah. Yes. It, it actually comes from the word tithe. The word tithe means a tenth. Yes. Any other questions? Look, when it comes to giving, um, it, it's, it's a hard thing. Um, 
I guess another principle that I didn't share in, in the list there is that it's sacrificial. Um, so it hurts to give money away because, oh, I could be spending it on this. Well, it's actually a sacrifice we make. Um, and it's something that we do because God calls us to do. But the Lord loves a cheerful giver. He doesn't want us to go, oh, the preacher said I've start, got to start giving more money and I don't want to do that, but I guess I have to do it. Well, if you start doing it from that sort of attitude, that's, that's not at all what the Lord wants. The Lord just wants you to love him with every part of your being. That includes your pocket, okay? Um, yeah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, today I want to pray for the missionaries. Lord, we pray for them as they struggle in lands where your name has never been heard. We pray for them as they struggle against the powers of Satan, the powers of darkness. Lord, we pray for your protection for them. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be at work through them. Lord, that they would be your ambassadors, taking the love of Jesus and the, the good news of the gospel to these lands where it's never been heard ever before. And Lord, I pray for us as a church, for us as a group of people. Lord, how can we support the work of missionaries? Lord, we offer you to you ourselves. Lord, give us a heart that wants to give to supporting them. Lord, teach us how to pray for them. Lord, I ask that you would help us to foster relationships with with people who are in other lands so that we can pray for them personally as they work. And Lord, as we consider the sacrifices that missionaries make, Lord, help us to make sacrifices to support them. Lord, pray that you would touch us and just give us a joy to give to support them. But Lord, I pray also for any here who you may be calling to sacrifice some more, to sacrifice their job, to sacrifice their security, to sacrifice what may be their future and maybe even to sacrifice their very life by obeying your call to being a missionary. Lord, if there is anybody here who you are calling to go and be a missionary, to, to learn a new language, to, to preach the good news of Jesus in a land where it's never been heard, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be stirring that heart right now. And that you would give them a resolve to do exactly that. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.